Well, good morning again. I want to welcome everybody one more time if you're not welcomed enough. And also I want to say hello to everybody watching online. Welcome to church today. Starting a new series, How to Live Again. Um, before we jump into the series, I want to say one thing real quick. And that is that today is a very special day. It's a monumental day. It's historical. It's the day that we start our fall semester of small groups. That's right. So today we are starting our fall semester of small groups. In case you don't know what small groups are, it's not just something that we kind of do on the side here at Northwood Church. It is a ventricle in the heart of what we do. And uh, it's, it's just what it says. It's small groups of people that meet throughout the week in homes and different places. And so we're starting our fall semester. It's going to run from, uh, from this week all the way through uh, uh, probably a couple weeks into November and this is what I want to encourage you to do. If you're not signed up for a small group, I want to highly encourage you to find a small group and get plugged in. If there's one thing I know, it's if you haven't been a part of a small group before, then the, the, the search of trying to find a small group that you would like to be in and the fear of knowing, like not knowing who's going to be there whenever you show up. Come on, anybody else? Like, you know, you, you sign up and you're driving up and you're like, please, God, let them not be weird. <laughs> it's just, come on, I know. It's just the way it is. It's like going to a new restaurant or I don't know. It's, it's like first day of school. Some of y'all just went to school this past week, some young people. And it's like, you're like, am I going to have a friend? You know, we've got a nine-year-old and she went back to school. Not same school, but like half of her friends are like gone. You know what I'm saying? So the first day of school, it's like, who are these people, right? And, and starting a new small group can feel like that at times. And so we want to make it as easy as possible for you to find a small group. And, and we still have some openings in our groups. And so if you go to northwood.church slash small groups, you can find a group that might kind of match your, you know, your schedule as far as like what day of the week you can jump in. And, um, but then also there's a, two different types of group, groups. There's actually three different types of groups. Number one is sermon-based groups, which is pretty much whatever we talk about here on Sunday mornings. Uh, at your small group, we sort of flesh it out. We talk it out. And then we also have freedom groups, uh, which are incredible groups to help you sort of Sort of deal with your past and move forward, right? I think some of us, we run around with parachutes attached to our back. Man, we're trying to sprint, we're trying to run, but we got baggage and we need to cut those strings. And so freedom groups sort of help you process through some of those things and find freedom. And then also we have grief shared group, a grief shared group, which is uh, if you're walking through grief in your life, maybe the loss of a loved one or, or some sort of loss, any, really any sort of loss, whether it was recent or 30 years ago, it could hurt just as bad. And the thing is that I know that God wants to uh, support you and help you in that so where you can grow in that. Uh, you don't just get over grief in a day. That's not the process. But, uh, but we have a great group of people uh, who get together and, and work through those things. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you to be in a small group. Look, some of you have never been, and, and give it a month. Sign up, show up. The first one's going to be kind of awkward. Just, just, just go ahead and take it with a grain of salt. It's just the way it is. Come on. Every time that I invite somebody over to my house for the first time, it takes about two hours before you start feeling like, okay, this is, I think we can do this. I think that we can have a conversation and not be weird, right? And I just want to, and small groups are very, very important. It's where you get to know some people and really build some relationships with people. And so, so anyway, with that, how to live again. Week number one. This is going to be a three-week series, and so it's going to run through the end of August. And I really believe this. I believe that through the next three weeks, that for some of you, you're going you're gonna to hear some things that are going to maybe change your mindset in regards to how you live your life. And uh, I don't mean that 
lightly. I, I literally mean that. I think that the things that we're going to talk about have the power to, uh, to, to bring your thought process back to life, to bring your spiritual life, your, your walk with God back to life again. If these three weeks you, you listen and apply the things that are talked about. And the next three weeks we're going to talk about, number one, how to believe which is this week, how to believe again. Next week is how to dream again. And the third week is how to love again. Yes. Man, the little icons are right there, you know. But um, we're going to talk about these three things because really whenever we talk about how to live again, we talk about living how you believe, how you dream, and how you love. Your relationships affect everything about your life. How you believe. Belief is a big word. Belief is a very, very big word. It's, it's, a, it's a strong word. And I think we throw around the word belief a whole lot. You know, I believe in this, I believe in that. But whenever we talk about believing, it determines the way that we live and it determines the way that we behave. How you believe is how you will behave. How you believe. If you believe you have a purpose, if you believe that you have a purpose to, to, to make a difference in the world, if you you believe what news you listen to, like, like all of these things, it affects the way that we behave. And one thing about the way that we believe is that it changes as we grow older. Whenever we're born, we have this ability to just believe anybody, just to believe anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I never had a top bunk growing up, and so I never did this, but, but I think if I had a bunk bed, I would have done this, which is... You give a kid a cape, and they're like, I can fly, you know? I mean, that's what capes do. They give you the ability to fly, right? And so what happens? You jump off the bed, and you, you go to the ER. It's just what happens. And, you know, it's, a, it's just part of being a, a, a kid, I guess. I don't know. But, but that happens because kids just believe. They watch a cartoon. They apply what they see, and it's like, let's get it, like, right? This is it. And as we get older, we lose that ability to just believe, and it's positive in regards to the fact that we're no longer jumping off bunk beds. I mean, it's a good thing. We learn, we live, and we learn. But what happens, too, is that we lose the innocence. We lose the ability to just trust and believe. People, God, whatever it is, and we just grow calloused. We grow cynical. And, 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 and in our country, in our world today, we're actually taught to question everything. Like, I mean... It's whatever comes to you, I mean, even right now, the things that I'm going to say to you over the next 30 minutes or so, in, in your mind, you're automatically prone to put up a barrier and to, to be in defense mode because it's like, I don't know where this guy's coming from. I don't know what his motives are, really. And so I'm just going to listen to what he has to say. And if, you know, if it resounds with me, then I might receive it. But other than that, uh, it is what it is. We're just programmed to do that, question everything. And I think there's some positives to that, but it can also be very negative. Now, again, belief is a strong word. And belief, this is how we sort of are going to define it. Belief is an absolute conviction that something is true and that I am willing to build my life on it. Like not only is something true, but I'm going to build my life on it. That's two different things. I can easily say that I believe something, but if... If I begin to, to organize my priorities, my time, my money, my heart, my life around what I say I believe, now we're talking about real belief. 
real belief. But the more disappointments that we face, the harder it is to just believe. Even some of you, whenever you hear the phrase, just believe, your thought process is, yeah, I tried that. <laughs> like I tried just tr trusting. At one point I did that and I got burned. And so it's never going to happen again. And we live our life like that. I just tried that. And also we're encouraged to question everything, especially nowadays. Let's just be honest, whether it's a contract, you know, somebody signs a contract, like who really cares anymore? Recently I was talking to somebody who they signed a contract with a, a, a city and uh, for a certain building and for, for certain, you know, amenities and whatnot and uh, literally started this, this organization. I mean, really awesome organization. And uh, started kind of running into some difficulties with the cities on, on certain things. And when they were talking to a couple of the city officials, they were like, well, whenever we signed the contract, we were going to have access to this and that and da-da-da-da-da. And the city official kind of laughed a little bit and said, oh, we can nullify that easily. <laughs> like, then what's the point of it in the first place? Whenever that happens to you over and over, guess what? I'm not going to be dumb anymore. I'm, I'm going I'm to wise up. You're not going to catch me. And so we're, we're programmed in that. I mean, come on, with COVID right now, we're all reading information, and we don't believe any of it. <laughs> like, if you believe on this side that this is wrong, and you're reading all this information, then you believe this information, and you don't believe this information. And then vice versa. We're insane, y'all. We're literally going insane. And it's all about, what do you believe? What do you think? What do you trust? Now, I kind of want to take you guys through a, a process of thinking about what determines whether we believe something is true or not. And I'm going to call it kind of like our, our truth boxes. We all have truth boxes. And if, if something we hear can check all these boxes, then, then we're like, okay, I believe in that. And the first one is this. Is it reasonable? Is what I'm hearing reasonable? Like, is it logical? Like, if, can I really think and talk through it? Does it make sense to me? The next thing, is it reliable? This is a big one. Because people can say a lot of logical things. We, somebody could take you through a, a thought process. But is it reliable? Is it proven? Where's the research? Let me see your sources, right? Like, come on. Is it reliable? And the last thing is this. How does it make me feel? How does it make me feel? Because it could be logical it could be reliable. It could be proven by thousands of years or it doesn't matter. It could be, but at the end of the day, it all has to filter through my senses. Does it make me feel good? And everything else could be checked, but if it doesn't make me feel good, that's just something about it. I just don't, it just doesn't, it doesn't vibe with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, right? It's just where we live, man. But if I can find something, someone that could check all these boxes, then I might just throw my life into it. You know what I'm saying? And there's a very small, small, slim, narrow amount of anything that will ever check these boxes consistently. Because as soon as you think something's reasonable, somebody else has a more reasonable route. As soon as you think somebody, something's reliable, it ends up on Snopes, you know? <laughs> If you know what that is. Basically, it's, it's fake news. It's, it's not real. And then as soon as it starts making you feel good, you know, then you eat something and then you feel differently the next day. 
and now it doesn't make you feel good anymore. I'm kind of being sarcastic, but this is really where it's at. Where's my truth boxes? And I need it all, I need it all checked. And I believe that everyone is searching for something that makes sense, for something that is researched and proven logical, and also that we like. I think we all want that. But here's the honest truth, is that <laughs> absolute truth doesn't care about your logic. <laughs> it doesn't really care about how you reason through it. And absolute truth doesn't care about your research, doesn't care about your source. And absolute truth also, unfortunately, just really doesn't care how you feel. It just doesn't. Either, either truth is there and it's not moving or it's a, it's a floating point of truth, and it's really not truth at all. So where does truth originate? Where does truth come from? And this is the big question. This is, a, this is our world right now. What is truth? It's, not, it's nothing new. It's just we live in this postmodern type mindset now where, again, question everything. My truth is my truth. Yours is yours. But what about absolute truth? And it's funny because some people don't believe in absolute truth, and to which I think that a question to ask to that is, is that true? <laughs> Do you believe your own statement about there is no absolute truth to be absolutely true? It's cyclical, circular, and it cancels itself out, that type of reasoning. But as Christians, we believe that our point of truth, our source of truth is the word of God. It's the scriptures. We believe that, that scripture is timeless. That it, yeah, 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 for some you read it at first glance and it might be a little bit confusing. It's okay. Continue to study, right? Continue to dig. But, but we believe that the scriptures are the source of truth. We throw our life into it. But if scripture isn't your point of truth, if scripture isn't your source, then what is? I think it's important to ask that question. If, if you're watching here today or, or you're here in this room and, and you're like, I just can't trust in that book that was written by just ordinary men thousands of years ago, passed down from generation to generation, and you have all of these, you know, these, these hooks that are, that are hanging you up. Well, my question to you is, what is your source of truth then? Is it yourself? Is it those three boxes right there? Is it what you could look up on Google? I mean, what's the source? What's the point? What, how do you know that what you, whatever you think or, or know is reliable in the first place? You see, the same questions that sometimes we ask to other people about other things, we have to turn them around and ask them to ourselves. What is reliable? What is your source of truth? Or is it someone else? Is it someone else? Is it like, did you go to college and that professor just said all the right stuff? And it just made sense and it checked all your boxes. And so now here you are 20 years later and you're still living off what you got at college. Did you believe something for 20 years and then you watched a YouTube video that really just threw you off? I watched a, uh, a video um, just a couple days ago and this person, they went on and um, man, they had all the answers of the pandemic and, and they, they were bringing up all these points and it was like almost an hour long. And I watched most of it and I had heard most of the talking points. And um, look, if you just watch the video, very convincing, super convincing. And then I sent that video to a doctor and this doctor, who's been doing this for a while, right, began to just cut in half all of the person's talking points. They're like, 
they didn't, they, they took that study and they took that thing and then they, and they misconstrued it. And then later on, oh no, they did this. And it just continually began to fall apart. Their argument began to fall apart. But if you just watched the video, then you would repost it, right? Share it for everyone to see. And that's how it, bad information gets shared over and over and over, right? And the same thing happens in a lot of different ways. We hear something, it feels like it makes sense, and then we begin to build our life upon it. But guess what? If it's shifting, if it's sand, right, it's not a strong foundation, the more weight that you apply to it, the more things begin to fall apart. You're building a house on, on, on sand and, and, and you, you put the door in, the door works, right? You open it and close it, you get up the next day, you walk up and you can't even open it because the whole house shifted. Why? Because it's on a faulty foundation. What happens is if your belief system is built on a faulty foundation, you're going to go through your life and, and you're going to wake up at different seasons and you're going to go to try to walk through a door of belief or a door of, of opinion or something like that. And it's just not, it's just not going to open because it's shifting. There's a lot of things that are being added to the Christian faith right now in progressivism. Progressive Christianity is adding things and trying to take away things. And what happens is like a, it's like Jenga, man. You can get away with pulling a couple little sticks out and you're okay. But then inevitably you go to grab the one and what happens? It falls on your face, right? You're playing the, the giant Jenga and you pull the big one out and the whole thing collapses. That's what happens in people's belief systems is they, they, they try to change things. They begin to maneuver. They begin to add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And the thing is, is... Jesus said this in John 14. Hey, look, guys, I am the way and the truth and the life. Like, you're looking for the way. You're looking for a truth. You're looking for some sort of life to live. You're looking at him. It's found in me. I am God. I am what you're looking for. The teachings that I'm teaching, the, the, the way that I'm living, the place that I'm leading you to, this is it. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus says. And those words are still ringing true. It's just whether or not you're listening to them. And so as Christians, we don't walk away from this. We can't just add and continue to add things to our faith and think that it's all good. All faith does not lead to the same God. It does not lead it in the same direction. It, it does for a little bit. It can feel like it to a certain extent, but it's just not the way that it is. But remember, belief is an absolute conviction that something is true and that I'm willing to build my life on it. And when it comes to Jesus, he says, you have to build your life upon me. I am the way. But... Biblical faith or belief is far more than believing certain things to be true. It's trusting and relying on that truth despite what you are currently experiencing. And so here's the next thing. So I could build my life upon what I believe. Man, I am. I'm prioritizing my life around this. I, and, and what happens is we begin to think of it like, a, like an equation. One plus one is two. So I believe in Jesus I do all the right things for Jesus, and then therefore I get all the things that I want. <laughs> right? But that's what it, because like, like 
Jesus said things like, you know, I came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said these things, and so like I should, like it sounds good. And what happens is we begin to read scripture through the lens of the temporary, and whenever the temporary doesn't work out like the lens that we're reading it through, we, we think that the equation's wrong, either I'm wrong or God's wrong, because I'm supposed to have abundant life. I'm supposed to be able to get that new car by the age of 35. Right? I'm supposed to be able to retire at 65, and then I'm going to travel. I just want to travel. We all want to travel. I just want to fly in a plane and go to that exotic island, and I want the waterfall to fall on me. I want to swim. We just have this idea. And so then we like reverse engineer our thought process in our life. And then we're like, something's wrong with the equation. And usually, I'm not wrong with the equation. Come on. Like, when are you ever wrong? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's always the other person or it's always God. He must be missing something. I had a lot of faith. I believed. I prioritized. Therefore, come on, God. Now, we don't always say those things with a lot, of, um, a lot of pride necessarily. Usually we say it through tears. We say it through frustration. Me and my wife, we, we walked through um, a couple of miscarriages years ago. And I, and I remember after the second or third one, uh, there was this, I, I just got frustrated. And I, I literally prayed a prayer. I was like, God, we did it right. Like, like, I've only kissed one girl in my life, man. Like, I've, I've been pure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did, I did all the things that you're supposed to do in order to get all the right results. What is this? What is this disappointment? Where are you? Is it judgment? Or did you, where are you at? My wife is broken and, and upset and frustrated, and we don't know if we're going to be able to have kids. Like, what, what's going on? Well, what happened is, my, my belief was being tested because belief, it's trusting and relying on that truth despite what you were currently experiencing. And what I was currently experiencing, it wasn't part of the equation, man. And you can take that and you can apply it in your life. When, when have you kind of subtly shook your fist at God? When have you subtly said, the equation is this, God, where are you? In the Bible, we see it all over. We see it all, out, all throughout the Bible. We see people do the same thing. The same thing. There was a woman named Sarah. She was married to, uh, to Abraham. They were husband and wife, and they were getting very old, and they didn't have any kids. And many of you know the story. I don't have time today to walk through the whole story, but, but Sarah is promised a kid, and she's getting older. She's 90 years old, and she's promised a kid. And when she hears that promise, she actually laughs. Because she's like, it ain't happened in 90 years. Look at me. It probably ain't happening in 91, okay? Like, let's just be honest. She heard the promise, but it's like, this is impossible. But she had a promise, but she wasn't seeing it fulfilled. Her current experience didn't match up with the promise, and so therefore she began to doubt. She began to almost get sarcastic. There's another story in the Bible of a guy named Joseph it's actually Sarah's great-grandson, and, and he, again, he gets a dream from God. 
Great things are in his future. He's excited about it. He's young. Next thing he knows, he's thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, gets lied about multiple times, ends up in prison. The dream is not his current experience. It's not good. Frustrating. You go further on, the Israelites, the people of God, y'all, the people that God has called his own and he loves them, they end up in slavery for hundreds of years. We read the story like this. And the children of Israel went into, you know, into slavery. And then Moses came, and a couple of chapters later, yay! <laughs> They're delivered. And then we preach about deliverance, and we preach it. Hundreds of years. Do you know how many millions of people were born and died in slavery and never saw the promise? They, 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 they never saw deliverance. They heard, like, there's this God, and they believed in him, but they didn't, like, they're like, man, this God could be a little bit more powerful than what I'm seeing right now. You know what I'm saying? These are, these are human, these are people, guys, and they're walking through it just like you're walking through what you're walking through. They're walking through it. And some of them never saw the promise fulfilled. Some of the Israelites but you look back at Sarah, God's faithfulness was proven, not in her timing, not in the way that she wanted to, to, to happen. If you know about Hagar and Ishmael, you know that Abraham and Sarah tried to, try to kind of do things themselves and not be patient for God's timing instead of theirs, and they messed some things up. But God was still even faithful through that. And Isaac was born. A couple of generations later, Joseph, again, the pit, the prison, and then the palace. It was the palace. And we like the palace part of the story. We like where Joseph ends up being second in command in all of Egypt. And we're like, I'm just waiting for my palace. Come on, man. Man, we can preach some stuff that really doesn't apply, right? I'm just, how many of you waiting for your palace? I've been waiting for 60 years, you know. It's like, well, there's a breakthrough coming, you know. And, and we keep like the carrot in front of the donkey. But sometimes the reality is... What if the palace is heaven? What if the palace is not something that you're actually going to put your hands on? What if you never sit at number two in, in Egypt? Currently experiencing something that doesn't match up with what I believe. Now, here's something that's, that's insane. Joseph goes into Egypt, right? He, he ends up in Egypt. He, he's a major leader, obviously. He's right underneath Pharaoh. And his, his family moves into Egypt. And the Bible says that then there rose up another Pharaoh that did not know Joseph and didn't know everything that happened. And he ends up looking at all of the Israelites that are there. He looks at them and he says, they're going to outnumber us soon. What we need to do while they're still low in numbers, we need to enslave them. The palace experience for Joseph ended up being slavery for his ancestors. That doesn't like, like that storyline took a really weird turn. And a lot of times we, we read the Bible just like, you know, and Joseph was, he forgave his brothers and all was well. Keep reading the story. <laughs> Keep reading it. It, it wasn't always good. What you're currently experiencing doesn't always match up. 
But the Israelites, they're, they're questioning God. They're not sure if he's really there. They're, they're not really believing. I mean, is he ever going to deliver us? But then God did. Now, why did God wait hundreds of years? I have no idea. Why did it ever happen in the first place? I have no idea. God always knew that it was going to happen. Go back and look at the prophecy that he told Abraham. It was all part of God's plan. We will never understand God's plan. You're not going to understand it. It's never going to make 100% sense. It's, it's the reason, the logic, the, 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 the research, right, the, 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 how does it make you feel. You're going to read the word of God. And if you really read it, it's going to make you feel weird sometimes. Believing in God, despite your current experience, what you're currently experiencing, it's not a walk in the park. But you must remain hopeful, you must remain faithful, and continue to believe in God's sovereignty, in his control, in his plan, in his purpose. But can I be honest with you guys? Many times we elevate the, the, we overestimate the value of this life. We overestimate the value of doing what we want to do and, and, and living the lives that we live. And, and what happens is we begin to feel like the purpose of our life is our job and our, and our, our plans and, and our education. We, we begin to build our life on those things, thinking that those things are the main thing. But all of those things are going to pass away. And so we strive for years trying to build a life that God is really possibly not calling us to build. Does that mean that we fall into laziness and whatnot? No, of course not. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about belief and what we are truly building our life upon. So the, 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 series, the title of today's you know, message is, is how do I believe again? How do I believe and so what does it look like to believe again? Because whenever, whenever I'm preparing for something like this, I always think about the different people that are sitting in the room or the different people watching. And I think for some of you, how do I believe again? It, it means maybe you're a Christian and, and maybe you, you, you believed in Jesus. You believed all the things that I'm talking about. You're like, yeah, I, I did used to trust in that. Like I used to, I did. But now I'm in a place where just things have happened and something's changed in me. So I don't just believe like I used to. I can't just believe anymore. So how do I believe again if I'm in that position? Others, though, when we talk about how to believe again, it would actually just be how do I start believing how do I even get past the, yes, all the things that you're bringing up, how do I get past that to believe? Because I feel like there's something to this, but how do I even start believing? And then for others, it's, it's how do I continue to believe? Because you can begin a journey, but starting something, honestly, is, is usually the easiest part. How do I continue to believe long term? How do, I'm 36, how do I continue to believe and trust in God despite what I see, feel, logically can discern, whatever, until my life ends? How can I continue in this? How can I persevere? 
I think in those three categories, we're somewhere in there. So how do we do it? Well, here's four things. These aren't exhaustive, but I think that they will help you. Number one, test the information. For those of you who are on the the edge and, and you haven't really started to believe, you wouldn't call yourself a believer in Jesus, I would encourage you to test the information. Yeah, to literally come up against the reason and, and the, the reliability of things, test those things. First Peter says, uh, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Some of you, you are the ones that are asking, what's the, how, do you, how are you reasonably coming to the conclusion that you're coming to? That, that's actually a great place to be. That's the first step. For others of you, though, who do believe already, this verse applies the same. You must test the information. You must, last night I was listening to, to this hour-long debate between two, you know, incredible men. They're Christians, but they're debating basic things about the Bible and talking about the Bible. They're still testing the information, But what happens is some people get a little bit afraid to test the information, to test what it is that they're encountering because they're afraid that they might find something that would destroy their faith. And so they stay away from it altogether. I just don't want to overthink it. I believe that the moon and the stars and the mountains and everything that we see, touch, and feel points to a creator. Let's test it, man. Say one more thing about this. Um, our culture wants to uh, push this thought process that science has disproved God. And it's a lie. It's, it's a lie. Um, there are plenty of people who are in the academic area. They're in, they're in science and, and astrophysicists and different things. Plenty, plenty who believe that there is first some sort of intelligent design. That this just, just didn't happen by itself. And many who would go even further than that. So, so this whole narrative that like, you know, science has disproved God is a lie. Let's continue to test the information. I got to keep moving. Number two is this. Pray for revelation. Now, when I talk about revelation, it's, it's, the picture is, is like, unveiling the truth or, or shining a light upon something and, and, and it becoming something that you can see. You know, whatever um, uh, I put, we've got a, a three-year-old, and whenever we put her to bed, uh, we've got like little night lights, you know, and stuff. Like she's got this thing now that like, it's a dome light that spins and there's like unicorns and stars all over the room. <laughs> it's actually really nice. Um, I thought about getting one for myself, but... <laughs> Nadine would think it, um, I'm weird. But anyway, uh, what happens is sometimes you, you turn off the light and there's not the nightlight on. And, and here's the deal. Her room is covered with uh, just booby traps everywhere. <laughs> Legos, blocks, uh, Barbies, who I don't know how, but Barbies, like, they're always like this. <laughs> and so if you're walking, it's going to go straight through your foot. Like, it's just that's what's going to happen. So... <laughs> If the light's not on, you're going to limp out. You might just like crawl out, you know. You got to have the light on. But when you turn the light on, you can see all of those things and you dodge them or you move them, right? 
people are walking through life like I walk through my child's bedroom at night. Ah, ouch, you know, and, and they're, they're, everything they step on hurts and then they try to put their weight on something and it, it breaks the skin and then it's difficult. What, what happens whenever we follow God and we truly follow God, we, we live a life where he is, first off, he reveals himself to us. He turns the light on to where we see his truth, but also we continually live like that. You know, sometimes it feels like I'm walking through life with the lights off. But I have to pray, God, would you reveal yourself to me? God, would you get, turn the light on in this situation? Help me. The Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about it. it says that the things that we sometimes assume as natural men is just we're, we're, looking, we're looking at things wrong. 1 Corinthians 2 says this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Sometimes we are applying natural thinking to spiritual things. And it's, it's never going to be 100%. It's never going to be 100%. I love that God even uses simple things to confound the wise. He uses the basic things to, 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 to help us realize that we need him. Did you know that we actually need God to believe in the first place? He's the one that turns the light switch on. You don't. He has given you a measure of faith that then you utilize in order to put your faith in him. But he reveals himself to you. And many times it's like, man, I feel like I, mean, I, I found, I discovered God. And we could look at it that way. But, but God, by his grace, reveals himself to us. And at times, you're going to walk through parts of your life where you're going to have to, 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 to cry out to God like the disciples did in Luke 17, where they said, increase our faith. You're going to walk through dark times in your life where, again, you're going to have to pray that God would illuminate your path because it's very dark and it's very difficult to understand. We've got friends right now in our church who have terrible diagnosis, cancer, sickness, disease and for years we've walked together and we've we've stood in these seats together and we've worshiped God we've thanked him for his resurrection life but all of that does get tested to a different degree whenever the doctor says cancer whenever the doctor puts a percentage out there it, it's, it's questioned, and, and our current experience is, is difficult and so guess what even though we know up here what the right answer is, we know, how to, we know how to pray. We have to know here. We have to like, it has to, it has to drop down into the, the depths of who we are to where we could truly place our, our focus and our attention on God and see that he is good, even if worst case scenario takes place. Did you know that it's okay to pray that way? It's not a lack of faith for you to, to, to really call out what's going on in your life you're not cursing yourself. Don't live in denial. Live in faith. True faith. God, would you reveal yourself to me right now? The third thing is that you have to surrender to transformation. Surrender. How do I believe again? First, test the information. For some of you, that's a big one. Number two, pray for revelation because you need the revelation of the Spirit in that information, right? But number three... 
as you progress to this, eventually you have to surrender to transformation. Did you know that God wants to transform who you are? No, maybe not. I don't know. I didn't get much of an answer there. You're thinking, you're thinking. Did, did you know that God wants to change you? Like he wants to transform you. The Bible talks about how you're a new creation in him. He wants to literally create you and form you into a new creation. Like who you are, the way that you act, the way that you desire, he wants to transform those things into something different. Many of you, you were saved, right? You got saved. You, 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 you surrendered to, to, to God. And then years later or months later, you run into some people that you used to know back in your past life, right? Your former way of living. And I hear it all the time. People say, man, something's different about you. Not me, personally. I'm talking about those other people, right? <laughs> something's different, man. I got my, my brother-in-law, uh, Casey. He's actually, he's watching online today. I know um, Casey was crazy. <laughs> crazy. How are you like, the dude did some things. <laughs> He's still kind of crazy, but like in a good, like a good way, right? But he runs into people who knew his, his former life, and they're like, bro, you're not the same person. Exactly. I've been transformed. But there's a surrendering to that transformation that has to take place. And so many people, they test the information, they pray for revelation, they get truth. But when it comes to surrendering their life to God, surrendering their actions and desires, that's where things sort of stop. That's where things hesitate because it's getting a little bit personal. But at salvation, we surrender and then we continually surrender. Second Corinthians says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Basically, we, we come boldly to the Lord. And as we do, we are changed to be more like him. And this is a work of the spirit of God. We don't change God into who we want him to be. He changes us into who he wants us to be. Okay? We are aligned with him, not him aligned with us. See what I'm saying? And, and, and we continually surrender to that. Just this past week, I was doing this in my own life, surrendering to the transformation. And you know what? A lot of times you're not smiling through the process. You're gritting your teeth. Yes, God. Yes, Lord, I will be more like you. <laughs> Delete the comment. Delete it. You know, don't say it. You know, I will be more like you. We used to sing a song back in the day. Lord, I want to be more like you. Oh, yeah. And all the people who were around in the 90s are like, that's some anointed music right there. Right? Why? Because you were going through a transformational period, and it meant, it meant a lot, but it's true. God, we want to be like you. I don't want to be like other people. I don't want to emulate them. I want to emulate Jesus. But we surrender to him. We let our desires and actions, who we are, be, be, be compared to who he is, and we allow those things, we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. And, and we surrender to that change. The last thing is this, in correlation to this, is that you must respond 
to that inspiration. You must respond to that transformation. We've got to respond to the things that God reveals to us, right? As we test the information and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it becomes real in our life and as God reveals it to a greater degree in our spirit, it becomes real internally. And, and, and as we're surrendering to transformation, we see what we're supposed to do. We have to actually respond. And I think a lot of people feel the first three, but they don't do the fourth thing. They don't, it doesn't actually play out in their life. I know I've been in this part right here a lot in my life where, where like I know what God is leading me to do. I know what he's, he's trying to speak to me. I, I, like I, I really do. I mean, I feel it. But actually responding, truly it being a faith that is actually accompanied by works, which is saving faith, that, man, am I really, am I really that committed? Am I so committed to being like Jesus that I'll, I'll actually respond in the way that I live? We must respond to the truth, to God's prompting. Romans 10 says this, so faith, again, faith. With works, faith, like saving faith. Faith, it's, we talked about it in James whenever we went through the book of James. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, the revealed word of Christ. Did you know that today in this room, watching online, that you are hearing the word of Christ? You are hearing truth. Through the songs that we sang, I don't know if you guys realize, but like whenever we sing songs, we're reading scripture, we're reading truth, we're singing and declaring truth. So from the, the start of a service that we, that we have to the end, truth is being uh, uh, communicated. And faith is being built upon that. Every time that I leave a church service, every time that I lead a small group, every time that I, I leave a conversation with someone where we're discussing things like this, my faith is increased. It is. And so I believe that in this room, and again, watching online, like I believe that, that you've been hearing this. And for some of you, how do I believe again? This has been a real question in your life. And I believe that truth has been, has been communicated to you. And I believe that it's time to respond. So right now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You say, God, would you search my heart right now? God, I, I've been struggling in belief. I've been struggling in how to do this. Some of you, you're in a spot where you just, it, it, there, ha, there hasn't even been a starting point. But today's your starting point. God has revealed himself to you. He's showing you truth. Today's a day to respond. We believe that Jesus, God's son, God incarnate came to this earth. He lived a perfect life and he, he died a terrible death to shed his blood, which was the payment for the sin that we all inherit. He's given us life through his death. And by believing in him, we are set free from the weight of sin, from the curse of death. So right now, if that's you and, and you believe that, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the 10th time, just surrender to Jesus. You say, Lord, I give you my heart. 
I give you who I am. I give you my successes and my failures. I lay it all at your feet. And God, I ask that you would transform me, that you would change me. I accept you into my life. For others of you, you've been in a fight for your belief. Maybe you believe right now in Jesus, but you, you, felt, you felt like Joseph. You felt like Sarah. You felt like the Israelites. You feel like that right now. And right now you need God to reveal himself to you in a, in a special way for this season. That he is good. That he is faithful. That your timing is not his timing. And that ultimately heaven is your home. God, would you encourage your people right now? to believe in you, to trust in you with everything that we are. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song together. And this is what I want you to do. I, I'm going to ask that you don't just kind of feel like, hey, service is done. I'm going to go ahead and hit the parking lot before everybody else does. We're still in a season or a moment here where we are responding to the word of God. This song is called This I Believe, and we're going to declare the truths that our, built, our life is built upon, that supersedes our feelings, even our own logic and reason, because we want to believe in Jesus. We want to trust in him.